I'm Rob Weatherald, I'm with Oracle, and on behalf of the Programs Committee and my co-chairs, Molly Ellenson and Rich Wagner, Molly's with Herman Miller, Rich is with AT&T, I welcome you and thank you for being here today. Before we get started on today's program, I wanted to uh, take a minute just to highlight again some of the upcoming events we have. On March 9th, we have Coca-Cola in town, and they're going to do two things. They're going to give us an update on a workplace strategy that they rolled out in 20, 2014. And you may recall that they were here, uh, Julie Heights was here in 2014 to present uh, that strategy before they rolled it out. So now we can get some feedback on how it's going. In addition though, they're also rolling out a global real estate strategy. So we're gonna talk about that as well. And for the end users in the audience, there will be an end users round table that same day so March 9th at 10.30 here at Maggiano's, Coca-Cola is going to lead that discussion as well. The April 13th program, we're still nailing that down, but the topic is going to be uh, regarding the industrial sector. So please uh, be on the lookout for that. And in uh, May, we are very close to nailing down a tour of Zurich's new North American headquarters facility out in Schaumburg. That'll be an evening event on a day to be determined. Just be aware that that may not be the second Thursday of the month, so please pay attention to the website. Today's program is being podcast, and it will be posted on the Coronet website. Now, if, you're, if you have your MCR and you're looking for continuing education credits, you qualify for every lunch that you attend. So there's a sign-up sheet over by the, admin, the uh, registration desk. And as always, we encourage your feedback so during the Q&A, we'll pass out uh, surveys, and we very much appreciate uh, any comments or suggestions you have. And finally, before we get into the business at hand, I just want to remind everyone that the conference I.O. system is set up for today's program. So log in, and you can use that to submit questions, and we'll be monitoring those questions, and we'll feed those to, the, uh, to our speakers. Uh, you're also, of course, welcome to just raise your hand and ask a question. Now, on to today's program. For those of you who attended the Cornet Global Summit in Philadelphia this past October, you were there to witness the 2016 Cornet Global Challenge, which enlisted a number of university teams. And we were very proud that our very own University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign were the winners. So uh, Steve Monaco is going to explain a little more about the, the remarkable achievement that that was. Uh, but today we are very proud to have four of the five team members with us from the uh, winning U of I team. They're going to share their experiences from the competition, but they're also going to provide a millennial generation perspective on how organizations can attract, retain, and motivate the next generation of talent by applying the lessons they've learned during their education educational experience. So you can think of them as consultants that can help you shape a holistic employee experience in your organization. So with that, I welcome to the stage our speakers and I'll provide some brief introductions. From left to right, we have, let me get these in order, we have Logan Walker. Logan is a, is a senior in, in architecture at uh, U of I. He is planning to attend graduate school immediately after graduation this spring to pursue a dual Master of Architecture and Master of Business Administration 
with a concentration in real estate development. Logan plans to use this hybrid degree to become a leader in the real estate development field. So welcome, Logan. Then we have Nick Bartholomew. Nick is a second-year master's candidate in urban planning. His thesis project explores alternative development scenarios for urban infill sites, for an urban infill site in the Champaign-Urbana community. After graduation, Nick plans to pursue a career in retail or residential real estate development. So thank you, Nick. Next to Nick, we have Esther Cho. Esther is a senior majoring in architectural studies. She currently serves as a vice president for the Society of Business Management and Architecture and as a student advisor for the National Organization of Minority Architecture Students. Esther is extremely interested in the future development of artificial intelligence and the subsequent impacts on, on the architectural industry. Then we have Zach Tuzak. Jack is a senior studying economics and statistics. This past summer, he worked as a property manager intern and transitioned into real estate valuation during, during the academic year. This winter, he is working with Price Waterhouse Coopers in Chicago as a real estate valuation and advisory intern. After graduation, he wishes to pursue a career in real estate investment and asset management. We then have, and I, Steve, I'm sorry, I forgot to introduce you. So let me introduce Steve, although we all know Steve. <laughs> Steve Monaco is the managing principal of Monaco and Company. In his consulting role, Steve focuses on complex project assignments acting as an extension of his client's corporate real estate team when strategic and comprehensive oversight is required, whether it involves a headquarters relocation, workplace strategy, or leadership advisory. During his five years of leadership at Motorola Mobility, including uh, serving as a global head of real estate and workplace services, Steve became, became an expert in change manage, management and has gained a reputation for successfully leading teams from the strategy to reality due to his breadth of experience in organizational transformation. Steve, as you know, is currently a board member born at Chicago, and he is a community leader with IFMA's Workplace Evolutionaries team. And last but certainly not least, we have Nancy Harris. Nancy has her own consulting firm called Restart Consulting. She is a respected consultant, coach, and facilitator with extensive experience in disrupting the HR status quo. She helps leaders uncover talent opportunities that will deliver long-lasting, impactful business results. Uh, she has worked with companies such as BP, Accenture, Hillshire Brands, Pfizer, Motorola, and the Ford Motor Company. She is the co-founder of Disrupt HR Chicago. She's on the board of directors for the Chicago Society for Human Resource Management. So with that, I'll turn it over to Steve, and thank you all for attending today. So we're gonna kick off with learning a little bit <clears throat> for those who did not attend the summit or do not um, have the details of what these fine students went through in the, uh, the global challenge. So here's a few uh, factoids. There was uh, 46 teams submitted uh, from 17 different countries. Uh, the, uh, the prize was a $5,000 scholarship for the school and $5,000 uh, for the team, for the winning team. So um, in, in the first round, there was a questionnaire that 
everyone had to fill out. And then from that, the finalists had a live two-day hackathon at the Global Summit where they had to uh, tackle a challenge uh, live, right? And so today we have the, uh, uh, the winning team and we're gonna pick their brain. Uh, everything you ever wanna know about millennials will come from these four people. So really looking forward to understanding that. Uh, but the first question is, uh, so the $5,000 prize, did, you, did everyone get paid? Right, we're good? Good. Well, thanks for coming today. All right. Um, so let's talk about the questionnaire, uh, preparing, preparing for the event. Can you guys describe um, what did your team do to prepare uh, to participate in this competition, not knowing the actual challenge? Sure. So uh, to start with, the, the questionnaire was extremely vague. Um, we the, the, I think we sent you some of the questions, but pretty much, you know, we had 500 words to say what made our team unique, what made, um, why we wanted to compete in the challenge, and we really spent a lot of time really honing those words and making every word count. Um, and then once we were selected as finalists, there was uh, some more pre-challenge pre work that we did. We did a, um, we were given kind of a list from Cornet Global, the academic challenge, we were given a list of um, the four different categories that we could have uh, at the challenge, and we were given a, li a list of probably 10 to 20 different companies that fit kind of under that umbrella. And so each member of our team took one of those four se industry segments and kind of really focused in and what, what were the pressing challenges in those different segments. Um, so that way, no matter which one we ended up pulling at the challenge, we were, we were prepared and ready to go. So has, um, did, did the four of you already know each other? How did you prepare, like, the team dynamics? Um... Sure. So uh, Zach and I are actually are fraternity brothers, so I knew Zach from before that. Um, Logan, is, Logan and I are both presidents of the two real estate organizations on campus, mm -hmm. uh, and so that's mm -hmm. how I knew Logan. Um, our third member, or our fifth member of the team who's not with us today because she's studying abroad in Europe, um, is one of the, the vice presidents of one of our organizations, and then... Um, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. Yeah. So Logan and I are part of the, we're leading the Society of Business Management and Architecture on campus. Um, Logan is president and vice president, co-vice president, but <laughs> it's important. But um, we are, we were interested in real estate or um, in business management more um, outside of architecture. So we wanted to pursue this area, um, study more of it before we graduate. Um, so we got to know this ROAS one, this opportunity to participate in real estate. Um, so we got involved in this competition and got this opportunity. Could I add? Yep. Um, one thing I think that set us apart from other teams was that we weren't, we weren't just looking at, oh, this is, our, this is my best friend, or we've done, we went from freshman year through grad school together we, for Nick's part, was reaching out to different areas, building that team, not just having a team that was, um, so we weren't worried, I guess, about hurting each other's feelings. Um, we, we wanted to do what was best for the team and building a team that um, we became friends from it, um, but you know, we didn't really know each other that well before that. Um, so it was something that I think really set us apart from other teams, looking at them, at least from the challenge. Um, a lot of them knew each other or um, di our diversity um, in uh, backgrounds and also um, in, our, in our majors. It, it's, it really set us apart, I think. Yeah. Yeah, we, had, um, we had time to talk to some of the judges, understand from their perspective what made you um, distinct and the winning team. 
some of the comments, you know, they really like the Workplace app, which you're going to talk more about, um, that it was a two-way interview um, process of employee and workplace, and the mentor program. They thought that was a really distinct idea. But overall, they could tell that you as a team have, have worked together, that you prepared for this, and at the end of the day, that's why everyone here in this room is successful, because we, you know, we, we know how to work together. And there, we all have, uh, you know, you had four years of, of the past, and, and we have many more some, in some relationships, so um, I think that's right in line. So let's go into your presentation, um, go into some, some details. Oh. <laughs> so I was going to uh, set that one up, and so let's redo that. So one of the questions was, how did you prepare uh, for the competition? And so we, we looked at some of your social media feeds, and, and so what we found, uh, uh, you guys had a toga party, and I think, what is this, uh, collaboration, pre-collaboration, so yep. that's good, yep. um, nice, nice style, and then... Um, like all great competitions, you have to work together as a team and kind of run through the paces. So we really appreciate uh, your your approach to this challenge. Um, but seriously, let's uh, I'll let you guys take your slides over from here. Um, this is the uh, the team dynamics and, and the prep. What else would you um, highlight from this? Sure, I think Logan already kind of touched on diversity, but just to to drive that point home a little bit. Uh, the other three teams at the challenge uh, all were similar majors and similar backgrounds. Uh, with the, the team from Houston was all a group of MBA students. Um, the group from the Netherlands were all uh, real estate students. And the group from um, India was all engineers. And so having a diverse range of perspectives and being able to kind of bounce ideas off each other um, was really something that I think we valued in, in building the team. Um, I can't see the laptop screen here. So. Um, in terms of uh, background research, we did a lot of stuff prior to the challenge in, in terms of just understanding really what are the big challenges in all four of these sub-markets that we could potentially be competing in. Okay. And, um, and really, to Logan's point, working with our team and getting familiar with one another. Okay. So, Zach, what, um, so then um, you travel, uh, you make it to the event, and then they, they reveal the challenge. How, how did you first react to the, to the challenge? Well, uh, we were we were first able to we sat down at uh, our dis distinct table and uh, they did a brief overview of the four different uh, verticals and they had uh, a lecturer speak on uh, you know whatever that vertical was and we were able to ask just different questions to them and, and things like that uh, we ha had gone in with you know obviously an open mindset we had been hoping that we would get um, finance and luckily we we struck that one because we knew we had a lot of different resources that we had met. Obviously, back at home, but just throughout the entire uh, throughout the day, we had had a number of different networking opportunities that we had uh, access to. So we were able to compile a number of different business cards, and we were really excited once we saw that we got the finance industry because we knew we had a, a number of different places that we were going to start talking to and things like that. Now, did you um, did you get a coach or any any assistance from from uh, Chicago Corner? Yeah, uh, <laughs> Carrie was a, a huge cheerleader for us, uh, <laughs> creating just lots of different uh, you know again opportunities inside and outside of the competition, uh, pulling cards that we needed to, always checking up on us, um, just making sure that we were in the right place uh, and that our you know, overall goal was uh, making progress every single, I mean, we only had, what, 70, 70 48 hours? 41, 41 hours, so she was uh, keeping our tabs on us and making sure that we were hitting every single goal that we had kind of set out to accomplish. And, 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 and is it true that she made you pull an all-nighter for this challenge? <laughs> 
No. Cheers. She provided the coffee. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, well, let's get into the meat of, the, of your solution and walk us through um, how you met the challenge and some of the highlights of your proposed uh, solution. Okay, so we approached this project or case um, with the idea that we wanted to make sure we come up with a solution to attract um, global young talent um, and th through the workplace you know, innovation. And we wanted to make sure that we focus on um, you know, individual satisfaction and um, the productivity, like how we can personalize the workspace for each work, um, the workers to uh, maximize their pro productivity of the area. And um, in order to drive such um, successful outcome, behavioral outcome, we wanted to um, come up with the, cu the culture of the company, and which was um, enjoy work, uh, get things done, and dream big. And it's, I think it's the, the next slide. So, yeah, so yes. we just made this diagram quickly to understand how we're going to outline our idea and how we're going to get into it um, specifically. So each of our members took um, you know, each category, uh, which is flexibility, adaptability, and um, what's another work workplace, work-life balance, um, and technology. So you'll see that each category, um, and I think each of our members will kind of describe that in detail. Uh, you can go to the Great. next one. Mm -hmm. So uh, what I had studied prior was the, um, the business practices, business practice aspect of this. And uh, you know, when we kind of, when we got to the competition and we sat down at the table, we all kind of had different ideas, but we, we basically started off with, okay, what were some of the things that we liked about our internships? What were some of the things that we didn't like about our internships? Um, and one of the first things that we kind of came up with was this idea of a rotational program. So you know, theoretically, at the beginning of the year, when you go through your hiring period, you have you know, all of your new hires, let's say in September, um, you start off very broad. It's a four-step rotational program. You start off very broad. You got to go over like you know the, just the business practices of it, the goal and the purpose of the company. And you start dialing it down more and more, you know, into your vertical sector of the business, whatever that be, may be. Um, I mean, I know uh, they mentioned I'm working at PricewaterhouseCoopers right now, and uh, we did something very similar to this. And basically, the last step was uh, my assurance department. So you get to the last step, and you can break it down, and you get to know people from throughout the entire business, and it just makes you a more well-rounded individual. We also came up with something called uh, workcation. So this is basically where um, you could theoretically have like a flex day. So let's say, you know, the typical eight-hour day, five days a week, maybe you work 10 hours Monday through Thursday, and then um, you could have that, that fifth day off. Um, but another goal to this was, you know, let's say um, you work those 10 hours for those four days, and you live in Chicago, and your family wants to take a trip to Miami, but there's some meeting that you absolutely have to be at on Friday. Well, Hopefully, you have the flexibility to work into one of the offices in, in, uh, in Miami or wherever that may be. Um, and you can still be on vacation, but you know, maybe you have to hop into the office for a couple hours. So that was uh, obviously it was a big, strong point that we were able to hit on. Um, integrating different departments, we, uh, this was a huge point that we also hit on. And uh, we might get to it a little bit later, but basically the design of the building allowed us to have like a gym and, on one of the floors. So we would have workout groups. We, we talked about how maybe an entry-level associate and you know, uh, a director or something like that happened to be in the same workout group, and they became really good friends for that, and we were talking about past experiences. So you're able to integrate you know, people from all different levels of the business. And it's not just workout groups. You know, maybe there's a bunch of people that are studying for their, uh, their CFA uh, or the CPA or something like that. Those, you can also break that into study groups. 
And lastly, integrating different experience levels. I talked about this a little bit, but one of the big drivers was the mentorship uh, program. You know, this allowed us to track innovation as a metric, and that was one of the key objectives of the entire competition was they want to know how are we going to track that. So we came up with this mentorship-style program where you know, you're paired, paired up with someone um, similar to your position. You're paired up with someone who is maybe a couple years out, like a senior analyst, and then lastly would be like a director or something like that. So you can have that buddy-buddy system with someone who is kind of in the same boat with you, and you can kind of bounce ideas off, um, and they provide instant feedback to you. You also have that uh, mentor that might be a couple years out, and then you have that, that final mentor who may be uh, you know, 10 or 15 years out. But it allowed you to just uh, create some good relationships and be comfortable speaking about you know, different ideas that you might have, and you can you know, get that documented uh, and actually track innovation as a metric, like, like I said. So that was a big, uh, big point that we hit on. Great. Um, what I like most about that idea is the, uh, I think you mentioned the 40-hour work week. I think that'd be great to have. Instead of uh, 60 or, you know. So, um, so the next part of your, um, is this the next uh, part of your uh, proposal? Yes. Adaptability? Uh, yes. Um, I'll speak to that. I was working more on the, the design side of um, the team. and. We really wanted, we were given a post-modern um, war construction uh, industrial building, and it was downtown Manhattan. And so that was kind of the, um, the gist of what we were given for a building. And so thinking about setbacks and how the lighting would work um, and knowing when to keep it, an overall concept was adaptability. Um, being able to, with, with real estate and the cost that it goes into, having to change a space to make it flexible for other people that are working. We wanted to create that throughout the whole design. Mm -hmm. um, and so making the exterior spaces, letting sunlight inside of it, um, we did an analysis on the building to show um, where the best places for those offices to go. And we, we chose to put those um, in the center and then do shared space on the outside um, to get that light in. And from that, we, we also worked with um, doing the raised floor system to let um, be able to move people around and um, worked with uh, Comfy. We actually talked with them a little bit and having <laughs> the ability to um, to adjust your, your thermal comfort for your individual environment, um, which um, we had a lot of statistics showing that you know your, what you're working in helps a lot with uh, productivity um, and can really help um, your company do well. And so we really wanted to work with that and looking at um, all the different ways that we can make this adaptable. And that kind of goes back to our um, original concept and when we were going back to our um, internships and how our experiences reflected that and um, what would be good. And we wanted, we thought that that would be something millennials would appreciate and also uh, senior executives, that um, adaptability to move around and um, the way the workforce is going from there. And were you given uh, internet access during this time where you can go and do some research and have, you know, um, some... <laughs> um, so, no. The, well, there was internet access. It was, it was there's so many people on um, that we really, we, we didn't have a lot of luck um, with internet access. Oh, oh good. Carrie, Carrie picked up our data tab. Extra. <laughs> Extra challenge for you. Okay, well, nice segue to connectivity. When you have it, when you don't, so... Sure. So, as Steve mentioned earlier, one of the big uh, things that the judges really liked about our, our solution was this idea of connectivity and connecting through uh, your mobile phone. 
Um, we wanted to look at how can we take some of these functions that have been being done for the same way for years, and how can we either automate them or make them even more accessible to our employees. Uh, the first one being integrate HR functions, things like online trainings, changing passwords, stuff that you know maybe you get a calendar email or you have to make sure you do every couple of weeks. Now you're getting a push notification that you can either snooze and it comes back in a couple of days, or you can take care of on the spot. Um, second, as uh, Logan mentioned, the customizable work environment, that's something that kind of is already occurring, but we wanted to make it so it's automated. So you walk into a conference room or you walk into one of your, your workspaces, and because you have your phone with you, it knows that you like the temperature at 72 degrees or the lights at 50%, whatever those things are. That way, your workspace is as custom fit to you without you even having to think about it. Um, additionally, connecting people through those teams. Um, you know, the idea that there's a bulletin board with when the 5K training club is meeting uh, was something that we thought you know, could be automated and pushed through to your phone. And you get a, a reminder that says, hey, you know, it's time to go for a run with, uh, with your group. Um, secondly, the, or additionally, the continuing education piece, if you can make that, again, something that you're not even thinking about. It's on your phone. It's there. You know that, it's, um, a, a, you, know that you have to get it done. Or you, and even doing things like, um, blanking on it, but uh, <laughs> sorry. Th things just like continuing education and, and anything that you are introducing. Maybe it's a different software package or a different um, calendar system, whatever that is, to be able to do that training right through the app. And finally, being able to coordinate things like life outside the workforce. Um, one of the things that we mentioned in our presentation was having uh, some sort of checkout system for things that you might not be able to store in your apartment, things like mountain bikes, kayaks, um, that we provide to our employees that then you can go ahead and check out uh, similar to, say, a car, a car service that is already available. So um, I think that's about all we have for connectivity. Great. Go ahead. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, let's go back. Um, so congratulations again on putting this all together in a very short time frame. I think everyone in, in the audience will, uh, you know, I see a lot of head nodding that you're, you touched on a lot of the points that um, same topics we face daily, uh, both internally and as we uh, work with customers. So I'd like to um, uh, bring up uh, Nancy and, and ask, you know, you're in the world of HR. Um, you're connected with many people, whether it's on assignment or through HR Disrupt. So what you heard from their proposal, how, uh, what's your reaction? Are they, are they on target? Are they too far to the left or right? But yeah. sure. I actually think they're spot on. And um, I've seen bits and pieces of this, bits and pieces of this in various organizations. And so I think they're heading down the right track. And I also don't think it's just for millennials. I think it's for regardless of what generation you are, um, this can be applicable and provide you know pro increased productivity within the workplace. So I think they were the winning team, and I would, I would give a, stand, a thumbs up yeah. for that, yes. So when it comes to millennials um, versus the other um, uh, generations in the workplace, uh, should we believe the hype? Are they really that different? Um, what, what would you, you know, what are you finding? How are they unique? Is it the technology uh, adoption? I would say, if you look at all of the different generations. I mean, there's things that occur um, that shape 
and cause us to be slightly different. So there's nuances, right? So I'm not a millennial, I'm a Gen X, right? So there's things that happen during that time where I may have slightly different perspectives. But what I fundamentally believe is that even though there may be differences between the generations, there's these common themes that come across regardless, right? When you go to work, you wanna be doing something that is um, purposeful. I think whether you're a millennial, a Gen X, a baby boomer, you like to have some type of purpose in terms of what it is that you're doing. Uh, in terms of workplace flexibility, I mean, I think most, place, most people would like to have some type of workplace flexibility, again, regardless of the generation. So my big thing is when I um, talk to people, it's like, what are some of the things that make us all the same, right? What are some of the things that you can pull through across the different generations and say, yeah, you know what, I want this regardless of the generation that I'm in, and to play on that and build on that versus all the little nuances that make us different. Can I, can I touch on something real quick? Yep. I kind of have a, a real-time example of this. So yesterday, um, I had a friend who, uh, she, was at a, um, she was at a client site from 8 a.m. till 3 p.m. And uh, you know, when they were all done, she asked her boss, she's like, okay, should I head back to the office? You know, it's a 20-minute commute. And they're like, no, absolutely not. Just um, go home and you can, uh, you know, she got connected through a number of different apps on her laptop, was able to work from home for the rest of the day. Um, that's just kind of a real-time snippet. You know, you, you rewind 25 years ago, my parents, my mom was an accountant. And uh, you know, that kind of flexibility just wasn't there. You know, when she, as soon as she was done at the client site, she had to go right back to the drive 20 minutes to the office or whatever it may be. And you know, I feel like that can really, um, you know, it can kind of wipe out. You can get, you can get really bored of it um, or just kind of burned out in general. And uh, we did quite a bit of research just on turnover rates, too. And for someone at a, you know, a senior or a director level, um, the cost of replacing someone like that by the time they get up to par is like $200,000. So um, that's just kind of a real, real-time example of yeah. what she's talking about. So if the discussion is really about um, attraction and retaining top talent, wh whether it's at a high level or your you know, uh, entry, if you guys were given the choice between two offers and it's the same salary, uh, the same type of work, what would be some of the differentiating factors? What would be your trigger to go with firm A or B? What's the tiebreaker? Let's kind of just go down the line. Sure. Um, for me, and I think for for a lot of people would be what are the the long-term benefits and um, if it's the same same I guess um, if you're getting the same experiences then that that weighs in but a lot of it is um, upward mobility um, are you going to be able to do that that's a big that's a key aspect um, for me anyway and I think that that ranges for people but um, I want to have ownership and where I work someday um, and so I would be looking at that um, and having that outcome, if that was possible. And then, I guess, um, yeah, looking at the, the work-life um, environment and what, what that's like, if I feel like I'd fit in good there or not, um, that would play, play in. Yeah, Nick? Uh, yeah, I'll echo what, what Logan said, but add on location. I think increasingly today you're seeing, uh, especially amongst millennials, this return to the city. A lot more people want to live where there's nightlife, there's recreation opportunities, there are all these things in close proximity to where they're living and working. And so I think that location would probably be one of the bigger tiebreakers for me. Okay, location from the urban planner. That's a good. <laughs> That's <Esther>? <laughs> um, to kind of go along with what Logan said, I think 
one of the life, I mean, um, the long-term benefit could be lifelong education. So um, I would love to continue my education. Um, when I hit 30, 40, 50, 60, I want to still learn. And I know that, you know, the path I'm pursuing could change through you know, lifelong education. At one point, I might pursue different type of career, it's possible, and I think it's opening up more to um, you know, different generations. So I think that's very important, and I would look into that factor. Great. Yeah, Thanks. so obviously everything that they've said, I would you know, argue that brand is also a very, uh, very important factor to consider. But um, I guess one of the last things that I would add, and uh, Nick mentioned that him and I are in the same fraternity, and one of the things that we try to stress is having a sound mind and a sound body. So I would try and look into the benefits of seeing, you know, what, what has this company done to you know, uh, incentivize its employees to have a sound mind and a sound body? We've, we've seen quite a bit of you know, buildings incorporate a gym on the third or fourth floor or something. So you go to the gym in the morning, and then you can go to work, or you can hit it on your way out, or wherever it may be. Um, or there's other incentives, too. You know, like we talked about with, with uh, the connectivity in the app, is you know, if it's got, you, know, you can rent canoes when you go to Florida, or you can get a mountain bike when you're in the Colorado office, or whatever it may be. What about, so many of the professionals here are involved with, you know, uh, you know the design of the interiors and, and furnishing it and everything else with the look and feel. With, is that a tiebreaker? You walk into a company and everything else is right, but you've got eight-foot-tall cubes, outdated aesthetics. Is that, a, is that a deal breaker? That would, honestly, I think that's more so if you're doing that comparison yeah. and one of the companies has all of the other um, aspects and if you're looking at long term and they both match up in that way, then yeah, like I, I think, and location, like if you're considering all of those things, I think you have to out, outweigh certain things. Um, but if they're, everything else is comparison, yeah, I would it probably be, yeah. choose the nicer office, but. <laughs> can I, can I real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so I, I just wanted to mention that I was you know, grateful because I, I really didn't think about this before, but when we had uh, Logan and Esther putting together a number of different projections for this building that we are creating is uh, the have, having light in the building. I didn't really think about that, but that's a huge factor. I noticed, um, you know, our, our business facility at school has, uh, I can't remember what the, 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 the standard for it was, but it's like one of the platinum standards for um, like just, just having light uh, like kind of shine through and it just makes you a little bit happier and it's not as dull and it's just kind of entertain not entertaining, but it gets you energized. Yeah. Nancy, what are, you, what, are you, what are you hearing? What are some of the tiebreakers that HR are, is paying attention to? Oh, definitely, uh, and this, I look at this holistically, it's a culture, right? And so a lot of that is around the design and that supports the culture and the organization. So again, um, that's a, a key thing that comes out time and time again when people are deciding. The other things have been mentioned here, but you know, a little bit less about upward mobility, but the continuing education and the ability to learn. Uh, people will come in and make their decision on where they want to go um, based on that. You know, what, are, what are the opportunities to learn, to grow, and to develop within your organization? And that is definitely a deal breaker for, um, for organizations. So that's something mm -hmm. to definitely pay attention to. Let's talk about another trend, Nancy. Um, working remotely versus uh, working in the office, having that flexibility. There's some companies that have uh, taken a heavy hand to make sure you come to the office uh, versus giving you that flexibility. Uh, how do you see, is that, how often does that come to play uh, in, in the HR organization when they want to make that switch? Are they willing to 
to make that switch because of millennials, or it's, like you said uh, prior, it's the collective generations that are asking? Yeah. I think a good thing to keep in mind is what type of work someone's doing. So we're talking about knowledge workers. <laughs> so if someone's working in a manufacturing facility, those differences, I mean, the ability to work from home, I started my career at Ford Motor Company. No one on the line was saying that, you know what, you can, you can work from home, right? <laughs> so a lot of it is, is really dependent upon um, the type of organization. Is it knowledge-based? Um, and I've worked places where they are knowledge-based, and some of the managers are uncomfortable with uh, managing and leading a remote work team. So one of the things that I think is crucial is to upskill our managers and leaders so that there's more of a comfort level around working remotely and what that means. And just because I'm sitting next to Esther doesn't necessarily mean that she's productive. She may actually be more productive if she's working from home. Right, great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, just to kind of speak to that, uh, I actually had the opportunity to continue my summer internship into the fall semester. They needed a little bit of extra help. And one of the things I noticed with working remotely was the blurring of lines kind of between when I'm working and when I'm not. Um, you would get an email, and because you're working from home, be expected to, to answer it immediately or be on top of that. Whereas if you were in the office, there was a little bit more, um, you know, you were at work, even if you weren't necessarily always on your email and always available to answer your phone or whatever that, that was. So I think that that's something that maybe we need to look at in going forward with working remotely sure. is... How, where do you draw the line so you're not working 60-hour weeks like Steve does? Yeah. No, um, no, no I, I think the globalization of, of business, uh, we, you know, we call it always on. You are always on. And I think it's um, creating a healthy uh, place to work starts from leadership, you know, um, not to be always on. Uh, people, we have a lot of inside jokes when, you know, PTO is supposed to mean pay time off, but it's pretend time off because you're, <laughs> you're always on whether it's vacation or, or wherever. So um, I think, I think uh, you guys can help us with that, right? Um, all right, that's uh, next question. Let's talk about uh, unassigned desks. So again, traditionally, everyone has their own desk, and some companies are making their way towards uh, free addressing. So you show up and you, 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 you select your desk for that day. And so it's, it, there's a change between ownership and usership. Uh, I'd like to hear from the students, what's your, what's your reaction to that? Is, is having a place called home with all your pictures of your friends and your toga parties, is that important or, or the free address? What's your reaction? Um, I would say, I think it's a personality uh, choice and what you, what you prefer. Um, if it was a situation where I was going to be coming to work every day, um, and maybe you're at, I guess, um, home on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I probably would want to have a desk that was de um, designated for myself, not just jumping around um, everywhere. Um, thinking back to school, and you guys probably can relate to this a little bit, the first day of class, whenever you get there and you sit down, that typically is where you sit the rest of the semester. <laughs> and um, I think that that kind of would interplay in the work, um, work life. Um, and you would want to kind of stay with that desk and have a little bit of um, ownership there, even if it's not your desk um, all the time. Sure. Uh, going off of Logan's point, um, I also have classes where I, we have a seating chart. And that leads to a lot of controversy, because no one wants to be told that that's where they have to sit. 
So um, I, I, I think there's pluses and minuses to both. And the one thing that we kind of touched on with the technology and connectivity is if you're going to do free addressing, then it has to work. When you sit down and you plug your laptop in to work from that desk, it's got to work. It has to work because you're not going to then call tech support because it's not it's not your desk. You'll just move to another one, and eventually you have you know only half the desks actually have working external monitors or um, however the, the the technology is is worked there. So I think there's there's benefits and it depends on the personality. Yeah, I agree with the personality, um, but I I would personally say that I would love to have my own space um, so that I can. Just tell myself that okay, I'm like I'm working, but at the, at the same time, I think like collaborative space comes into play at this moment that you can actually go to that space and collaborate with other teammates, or you can just do your work there on the flex, more flexible environment if you need. During the day, like you would know that oh, this time like I really need to be like on the couch. Um, so it's it's more the option optional, um, and I think this component plays um, an important role. Point. I just have one thing to add really, really quickly. And this might be getting a little too complex, but um, you know, I personally wouldn't like if I was just sitting staring at a wall at the, like, the complete like, center of a building. I'd like to be looking outside or something like that. So obviously, those types of desks are going to get taken right away. But if there's a way to you know, uh, try and maybe prioritize or you know, set some preferences or something like that ahead of time, I think that would just be helpful. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is choice. Right? It always comes down to having choice and flexibility. Give some of the control, but have a plan. Nancy? And I also think it depends on the functional area. So I worked at an organization in consulting, and so everything was a, a free open desk, right? So whenever you were in the office, you just took whatever was available. That might also work with sales, where people are out on the road. So again, I think that that goes into not only the choice piece, but also the functional area that someone may be working in. Yeah. Well, let's explore another idea. So technology and apps, right, part of your solution was um, an app that when you walked in the conference room you knew the temperature and maybe it averaged everybody in that room but so being connected with your preferences and groups there's a point um, of maybe too much connectivity uh, but I would say your generation is very open to sharing technology and so big brother so Nancy let's talk about big brother because sharing information where I'm at at any given time, you know, there's always been that wall. Like, I'll give you information, but not too much, right? We think about the badge readers, that the badge reader can really track and help you improve the work experience. But Nancy, can you kind of, you know, would you confirm that, that, that there is a difference between the generations of Big Brother and data? I do think that uh, the millennial generation is more comfortable in terms of the sharing piece. When you were talking about the big brother, it made me even think of when you have instant message. It's like you can tell when someone's green, when they're yellow, when they're red. So it's, it's even that kind of way of tracking people that way. And so I know I feel a little bit uncomfortable, like I need to look like I'm green all the time or you know, not like I'm stepping. So that type of thing as well. So I do think to your point, there is probably more of a comfort level because people are more used to sharing. I do think you know, as we continue to move forward, it's all, everything you can pretty much find out, everything, right? Open source data, finding information. I do think we're moving more and more towards that. And so I think as organizations, as leaders within organizations, 
we'll have to you know decide and decipher you know what we do want to share and what we don't want to share. Right. I mean, Esther, I think you said earlier about um, you want to maybe do some work in uh, AI. Um, artificial intelligence and you know the, the progress of the automotive industry has made great strides in that and I think it's only you know it's only too soon before we see that show up in work again it's about the end user experience how can we make employees productive and connected um, so I, I would expect to see some experiments coming from you directly in this in a couple of years <laughs> okay. so, can, I, can I kind of add on to yeah sure of course so, the um, yeah so there is kind of fear of sharing as well, like that that exists in this era, I think. Because um, you basically share everything. You just, sometimes you don't know if you're sharing stuff. And like sometimes you like have to be aware of it. But at the same time, I think like the technology actually help you to personalize yourself and your information and what you're using. So I think that can actually protect what you want to keep for yourself, and also it'll help you to share what you want to share or not. So I think just getting to know, I think education comes into play again. Like just, just learning, like keep learning about the technology. Like when we hit, you know, like 40s, 50s, like we're gonna have to learn like so much more. Like, cause like the things are like very rapidly changing and it'll become more faster and faster. So we want to learn even more, I think that's, so yeah, that's just one to add it on to. Great. <laughs> that. Uh, so two things to kind of add on to that. The first being um, one of the things that we want, talked about when we were doing this is that fear of Big Brother. And we looked at it from a, a perspective of self-improvement. Um, so I normally wear a Fitbit, and I noticed that when I go for a run before lunch, I'm more productive in the afternoon. So giving employees the op opportunity to learn about what makes them the most productive and what sort of factors influence their own productivity was one of the things that we wanted to accomplish. It's not necessarily for managers to be looking over your shoulder and making sure you're not spending you know, two hours on the couch working from there. It's more so to understand where you work best and how, can, how, how you can kind of facilitate that. And secondly, I think you just managerial need, training needs to be understanding that you know, people work at different, at different paces, different places. So just because Nancy's icon is red doesn't mean she's not being productive at that point. It maybe means she's working from somewhere else or working on a different project or something along those lines. I, I think yep. a big part of that is it's going back to if you're not in the office and you're working or uh, if you are, it's the trust that you have in uh, making sure things are getting done. Not so much, oh, are you on the, you know, on the clock? Are you getting this uh, certain, um, I guess, this certain part of your task done that day? It's more so looking at, okay, uh, are they within a certain period of time? Are you getting it done? Um, are you being Productive, um, productive, and looking at, um, I guess, getting not just um, it, it doesn't doesn't matter where you're at. Um, it can you can do it regardless, and right. um, being having that trust with your company, um, I think that's that's the big. Well, that's part of the that. setting in the university, right? You have assignments, you have deadlines. We call them deliverables, and we don't know where you do your great thinking, but you do it, and you have deliverables. So. I'm hearing that, uh, you know, hopefully there's that continuation when you get in the workplace. So let's do final thoughts. Uh, Nancy, anything we haven't hit on that you'd, you'd like to ask these students, this brain trust here in front of us? The great unanswered <laughs> questions of the millennials. Because then we'll turn it to the audience. Um, you know what? No, actually. Now that I, was, I was going to ask something around the, the big brother piece, but... We touched on that um, and some of the differences there. So, 
Okay. Zach, final thoughts? Uh, questions for us? Do I have questions for yeah. you guys? <laughs> oh. Oh, you, um, you have the whole, you have, you know, I, the greatest I'm, minds of Cornet here. If someone can, can be professionally honest, um, you know, what, what's your standpoint of us? <laughs> <laughs> All right, do we have a microphone <laughs> passing around? I think there's one right behind you. So generally speaking, it's very positive, right? It's very, very positive. I'm of the baby boomer generation and we're very excited to welcome millennials into the workforce. And the company I work for, we're studying aggressively how to understand and how to adapt to the things that you want. So I think the, the, the future for the millennial workforce, at least from our perspective, working with occupiers and employers specifically, is very bright. But on the let you have it part, I'll tell you one thing that we hear <laughs> a little bit. Because you mentioned it and I want to challenge you on it. With all of the you know, bells and whistles and the different workplace environment solutions that millennials are demanding. Uh, th th there's a question with respect to productivity and what is that relationship? So uh, I, I wonder um, from your perspective how you, whether you look at productivity um, with the same metric that, that your boss will look at it, you, you know, in, in that same way. So. Take a minute and talk a little bit about what you think productivity means, and then the rest of us will, will decide if we think that's what it means, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's that phrase? You can't manage what you don't measure. So, all right, who, who's uh, brave enough to answer that? I will, I guess. No of course. I, I think Steve kind of touched on it in that millennials in general are looking for task-based measures of productivity. So if we have, let's say we have a project due Friday, we we need to know that we, the project will get done Friday, whether that is, it, it might not, maybe some weeks it's, it's working 35 hours on that project and five hours on continuing it. Maybe other weeks it's 60 hours like Steve does. But whatever it is, I think it's looking more. I don't know where that comes from. <laughs> but more, I'll take more, it. more in terms of tasks and, and giving and, and having a to-do list and making sure that we're getting those things on the list done rather than necessarily being at our desks 40 hours, if that makes sense. I think, I think we measure productivity in terms of what did we get done today rather than how long did we spend at our desk. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. I think we touched on it. Uh, Esther, mm -hmm. Bernie, question for these great professionals. Do I have a question? Yeah. <laughs> I know we didn't rehearse this. So I'm just <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let's see if I have a question. Because, like, Zach's question was very, <laughs> very good. I really like that. But, um... Can I maybe add on to like his question? Sure. Like, can I answer yeah, that? Absolutely. Because I, I want. Um, so, like, I think, like, well, although you're in different workplace and you're not like with your manager, you can still connect with your manager through the technology. You can communicate better, and it's gonna only it's only gonna get better. And I think. Like for me, like I work for um, an architect, uh, and I, I work from Champagne, and he's his office is in Chicago, but then like he just gives me the project, like what needs to be done and what he's doing, and and I just like I just okay, and like I what this is what I have to do, and I tell him like okay, I'm gonna do this in this way, and he's like okay, and then I work on it, but if I have any question, like we have you know Skype, um, you know communication through the 
the, the CHAD system that we have, and I can get access to the computer at the workplace. Like, I, I can get the project from there. So I think like he can still know like what I'm doing and how I'm doing, and I can also ask him questions anytime. So I think this connectivity is a very important factor, and it'll actually solve like solve the problem that we might be kind of worried about um, at this point. So. And I wanted to add that, you know, I agree with you that I think the technology helps support that. But then it's back to, like, basic management 101, right? Yep. It's trust in terms of your, you know, employee that they'll get done what they say they're going to get done. There's an accountability piece, right? If they don't do it, then, you know, what happens next? And then there's a communication piece. So regardless of if you've got an app or you've got Skype or whatever the technology is, kind of those fundamental pieces need to be there. And I'll just say it, oftentimes it's not, right? So, you know, I'll leave it at that. Oftentimes it's not. Okay, so we're not ready for Snapchat in the workplace. <laughs> right, right. The technology. I just figured it out. The technology is yeah. not going to solve all of your management problems, right? right it's right. just kind of some basic fundamentals that you need to have there. All right. I think. Oh, good. Uh, we got a question out there. Okay. Moving to that already. All right. I, I totally agree that giving flexibility is so important and not locking us to our desks and so forth. But I think there's also a trend that we're seeing in, in our company at Capital One where we are encouraging collaboration. So collaboration is great through IMs and Skype and all that, but it's better when you're in person, when you can have those random collisions in the break room, getting a cup of coffee or having those different conversations. Um, so how do we reconcile that? Because if half the team is working from home and they're going to work like 11 o'clock at night and get their hours in then, and the other team wants to work at 10 o'clock in the morning, and you're all at different times, it's, it's next to impossible to really be productive when you're in a group setting. I think, I think what um, Nancy said earlier, that different types of jobs can lend itself better to different methods of that. But... Um, as we think of more of an agile approach to doing work and having cross-discipline teams, you have to be physically present in order to really get the bang for the buck of, of the, the team. So I'd be curious, you know, from, from the student's perspective of, you know, it's like working with your, your, your groups and stuff, like you probably schedule meetings and things, but how, how are you guys kind of tackling those sorts of things today in school? I would say on that, um, that, that's a difficult one. Uh, how do you? <laughs> it sounds like a great uh, yeah, question that, for the third Cornet Global Academic. Um, <laughs> for our next generation. <laughs> yeah, I, we have a hard time, I mean, I think with anyone, trying to find a time that works. So if you are at different points, um, everyone's schedule is different. And how do you work that in? Just obviously in our uh, clubs, uh, how do you find time that works for everyone to get everyone there? That's a big key aspect. Um, I, I don't know that there is a, I don't think I have a direct answer to that, um, but, but more so trying to work with people and trying to find, I guess, that, that being flexible and trying to find a good time or maybe having a set day of the week um, that everyone's there and you're, they're there that like maybe it's Wednesday, like right in the middle of the week, and you kind of have a recap of what's going on and making sure everyone's hitting their, their numbers or what their, their tasks and getting that done and having that interaction that way, um, maybe those uh, certain times. So 
to that point, kind of. Um, we, I work with a bunch of other student contractors, and we all work 20-hour weeks that are, we're very, very rarely all in the office at the same time. And so we make sure that, A, everything's, every time we're having even a small group meeting, we have minutes available for everybody that wasn't necessarily able to be there. And then, yeah, we make sure that there's one time a week that everyone's there to sit down and basically say, hey, this is where we're at, this is where we're going in the next week, what does everyone need from us? Hmm. I've seen some companies, um, and Nancy, maybe you can chime in on this. There's core work days and core work hours that the ability to have that overlap is you have a better chance of that. But it's really the cadence the cadence of saying once a week we're going to meet in person. And so you know, if you're scheduling your appointments a week out, at least you can keep that as a placeholder. So maybe not being as heavy-handed as maybe we've come from. Yeah. But, but you know. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen that, and, and it's, it's a balance. It's when someone says, everybody's going to work from home, <laughs> and you have everybody in the office working from home. And then it's the other extreme where I think Yahoo is an example where, okay, now no one's going to work from home, right? So it's, it's finding that happy medium. So maybe it is one of the organizations I work for it was, we're gonna ha we have core hours, right? And so it, it, you, know, you can work from home outside of those core hours, but during those core hours, you're going to be working in the office. So again, I think it's a, someone mentioned the term flexibility. It's the flexibility and the balance is when we go to the extreme. Everyone has offices. Now no one has an office. Well, that's an extreme, right? And so it's, again, it's finding that equilibrium. Yep. I'm going to add on. <laughs> so I think, you know, human interaction is an important, you know, component of the company's culture, I think. So if you actually, you know, th there might be the time that you just like just work with these people and you don't really know them, although you spend like two years with them, like in the same space, like in the very limited space. But then like if you actually spend time with them like outside of work and you actually that become the company's culture, I think that'll create the, you know, the environment that you actually want to be at the workplace at some point and you really want to like work collaboratively with that people. So I think it's a company's culture that that company itself needs to kind of work on and build. Yeah. So. And from an HR point of view, I mean, that's the onboarding process. And, uh, you know, companies and culture create these rituals of onboarding. And I think it's a good thing when real estate and facility people kind of um, partner up with HR yeah. to try to make that a, you know, a better experience. So um, other questions from... from uh, the audience. Are you an audience? Yes, an audience. Hi, I'm Nick Porter with Nelson. Um, so I heard Carrie mention the C word, cost, um, and I was just curious how that played into your uh, competition, because it is uh, reducing cycle time and cost right now is just um, a huge driver in the business. And uh, my second part to the question is. For Nancy, how often is human resources at the table as real estate decisions are made? Because I find the people aspect taking a back seat to cost. So the first part, were you guys given a budget? No. <laughs> that was, that was, we, we were basically told to be as innovative and creative as possible with no real constraints in terms of um, how much it was going to cost which was nice because we only had 40 hours to figure it out. So to price everything out would have taken probably another two weeks. But that, that's, that's still... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, well, that's interesting because, yeah. you know, yeah. maybe your mentor, Carrie, could have 
helped you in that and just started slashing your ideas. Well, it, it wasn't so much that, because everything we were doing was looking at how do you make people more productive, and that will save you money. Um, when you have someone that wants to work, rather than be like, I have to push this person along to get their task done, you're gonna, they're gonna make you more money than someone that constantly is, oh, I'm in the break room, or I'm doing this. Like, someone wants to be there, and that we're creating that, that we, our goal was to create that environment that people wanted to come and work and do good and move up in your company, not just um, sitting back and taking it easy, or, oh, can I go to the gym now? Like, oh, I wanna get this done, so I can go to the, ju- the right. gym. So it's the hitting costs. Uh, so part two for Nancy? I would say HR is often not at the table, and that's a big issue. And so one of the reasons why I like to present on these panels, and I've done some things with IFMA as well, is to help bridge that gap between the functional areas, because I do think that there's a lot more power if the HR side is there, the real estate side is there, you know, IT is there, facilities management. When we're all working separately, you know, it only gets us so far. So the importance of making sure we've got, you know, someone from the HR side there is good. But then also I think it's a re-education for some of my HR colleagues that this is important to do that and how this does ultimately impact the employee experience. Grab, we have time for one more? One more question. Any burning questions on air? I'll ask. All right. Rich. Um, so, first of all, I'd like to answer Zach's question. I think you're an oppressive group, and I'd be pleased to have any one of you work on my team. So, thank you. Thank you. Thanks Very for nice. <laughs> so, my question is actually for Nancy. Um, One of the things they talked about was a job rotation to kind of keep it fresh within the work environment. So we've attempted that with mixed results. I was wondering if you are aware of a situation where it's actually done well or or been implemented correctly. So I've seen it work and I've seen it not work. So one of the organizations, actually when I first went out of uh, graduate school, I worked at Ford Motor Company. They had a very robust rotational program and you knew and you had expectations that this is where you were gonna go throughout, I think it was a four-year program at the time, and so it was very, very successful. There are nuances and changes. Flash forward, I won't say how many years that I've been working, (laughs) and I worked at another organization, and similar concept, rotation, and some of the folks were saying, I don't wanna go through this particular rotation. This isn't what I wanna do. So I think if I look at it holistically and across the span of time, there's obviously there's diff- there's some diff- different uh, generational differences between that. So maybe the programs now, you've got a, a structure, but maybe there's some flexibility, right? So instead of it being so rigid, like you've got to go through these things and it's got to be exactly in this order, maybe there are some core key things that you say, you know what, this is the expectation up front that you're going to go through these two areas. But maybe the third one, you know, based on that, you decide where you want to go. So again, it, it has some fluidity, but also some structure, and also setting the expectation up front. I knew when I went into Ford Motor Company, I was going to have to spend at least a year working in a manufacturing facility. If you didn't want to do that, then don't sign up for a job at Ford Motor Company. So I think it's also setting those expectations up front, too. Great. 
Well, I think we're out of time. I just want to thank uh, everyone here up front for uh, your time and your great uh, thoughtful answers. So. Thanks again to everyone for attending. Wonderful presentation. And please uh, fill out your surveys. That information is very helpful. See you on March 9th.